hey, there's a novel idea. We should record the conversations and put them on the internet. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We want to empower people to create amazing lives for themselves by making tools available to everyone that were previously only known to high performers. And we've created one of the premier lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some great content and free products and books that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. The show is about you. We're here to help you become the best you can be in every area of your life. If you're new to the show but you wanna know where to begin or find out more about what we teach here at the Art of Charm Live programs in Los Angeles, you can go to the website and we'll email you a starter kit of all the top shows here on the Art of Charm. We'll send you the fundamentals like body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, dating, attraction, business networking and negotiation, public speaking and more, and pretty much everything we'd wish we'd learned and mastered years ago. We've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you wanna learn and grow. Details on that at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Call us in the office or email me. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. We read everything. And I'm looking forward to meeting you here at The Art of Charm. Today we're talking with my friend Dory Clark. Her new book, Stand Out, talks about how to find your niche, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee inside another organization, why not being an entrepreneur might actually be a quicker path to thought leadership and becoming a recognized expert in that niche. And of course, we give tons of practical drills and exercises, and she even has a workbook that she's gonna give away at the end of the show to everybody who wants to work through this stuff step by step. So enjoy this one with Dory Clark. I've done this with you before, but you know, for people who haven't heard Doherty Clark part one, tell us what you do in one sentence and then we'll flesh it out a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll, uh, I'll do three words. Um, first of all, author and entrepreneur and, uh, I can, I can blow it up a little bit from there. That would um, help. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I do a fair amount of business school teaching, uh, for the Fuqua School of Business at Duke. And I actually just yesterday taught my first class at Columbia business school. Um, I write about uh, personal branding, professional reinvention, and overall how people can become recognized experts in their field. Because I think that more and more these days, it's it's such a competitive marketplace. You got to give people a reason to want to seek you out to do business with you. And we need, you know, we need people with good ideas to be able to circulate them and get them uh, out into the marketplace. I want to see more of that. And so I want to help people get tools for that. And I, uh, so I do writing, I do speaking, I do consulting. Yeah. And it, we got a chance to hang out a few times and, and I was really surprised to hear how much random kind of seemingly random speaking you were doing. I mean, you were like in, where was it? Kazakhstan or something like that for or Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> yeah, I went to uh I went to Kazakhstan and I was uh I was teaching for two weeks uh Kazakh MBA students who I, I have to say actually put American MBA students to shame. The Kazakhs are <laughs> gonna take over the world. They really? were awesome. Uh it was uh it was through Duke University, actually. They have a partnership with Nazarbayev University in Kazakhstan. So Duke sent me uh to Kazakhstan. Wow. And I mean if you can 
this is a common critique I get for, for things that we teach at The Art of Charm, right? The same sort of personal body language, the branding, the, the communication. They say, oh, well, this won't work for me because I live in England or I live in Canada. It's different up here. You are teaching similar principles, but you're, you did it in, in Kazakhstan. Is this stuff able to hold up cross-culture? You know, it, it was actually fascinating to me because I wasn't sure what the reception was going to be. And so in this, uh, in this two week long, you know, really intensive marketing class that, that we did, um, I did a, a whole unit on personal branding because I think it's, it's pretty important for, uh, for people to understand this, uh, you know, any professional in terms of their ultimate career success and the, the same principles. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of the microcosmic view of what you do for a company or what you do for um, for a cause. And so uh, so we did this unit on personal branding and we did a case study that they uh, had written at the Stanford Graduate School of Business about Keith Ferrazzi, the author of Never Eat Alone. And I was not sure what the Kazakhs were going to think of Keith Ferrazzi <laughs> because, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's a big personality. He's somebody that, uh, that even in the course of the case study, you read that some of his American peers are like, oh my God, this guy's too much. The Kazakhs, loved Keith Ferrazzi. They were, you know, my, my first question to them, I'm like, well, you know, what do, what do you think? And they were like, oh my God, I want to meet Keith Ferrazzi. I, you know, I want to be like Keith Ferrazzi. They're like, Keith Ferrazzi is the American dream. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they were so happy. I, uh, I took a picture of them uh, waving and I tweeted it to Keith Ferrazzi and he tweeted us back and they were just over the moon. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, America, you know, we can say for, for better or for worse, but for a long time, we have been the pace setters in contemporary business culture. And there are many areas that America is unfortunately falling behind in. I mean, there's plenty of things like R&D that we're not investing as much in as we have historically or that perhaps we should. But um, but in, in terms of, of business trends and business practices, I think uh, with a focus of, on personal branding being one of them, this is something that is increasingly going to be the norm. And and uh, the companies and countries and people who are clued into that, I think, are going to be the most successful over the next 10 or 20 years. Do you see a problem with that inside the United States versus other countries? I mean, it seems like I, I can only really speak from just being an American because I haven't really studied this topic. But we're still kind of in the mode where at least I am in my generation. A lot of our parents were like, listen, man, here's the secret. Work really hard and people will notice that and then you'll get ahead and I obviously, I do that, but I also did some of the personal branding stuff almost by accident, just because I was like, I'm the worst employee ever. I need to figure out how I can do my own thing. But I think plenty of smart people who are good students might end up and are indeed struggling because maybe there's a little element of that missing. Because it, I, we talk about this a lot at, also at The Art of Charm. I, this is what I speak about is people buy you, right? They don't buy your product or service. They're they're interested in doing business with with a person, with a human face. And so if you if you kind of slough that off in favor of working really hard and only working really hard, are we at a disadvantage because of that? Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, I, I think a big problem that is happening right now in society is that we are at an inflection point where all the advice from our parents is just absolutely wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's really depressing, but <laughs> awesome. Do elaborate. 
Yeah. And it's not even just the advice of our parents. It's, I mean, you know, lots of quote unquote authority figures. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've, I've published a couple of books. I have this new book out called Stand Out. And you talk to publishers, you talk to literary agents and, you know, what's, what's their advice? Oh, well, you know, do you have a speaker's bureau? Oh, you know, I mean, you know, all these, these sort of classic things. Are you going to hire a publicist? Well, that that's that's part of the old middleman economy. Right. You don't need a middleman anymore. You have a website. People know how to get you. That's not where you should be focusing. Similarly, what helped your parents be successful? I mean, they are giving you awesome advice for 20 or 30 years ago. Um, working hard is terrific advice if you are in a small contained environment where there are not that many stimuli and people have the time and the patience to look around and say, gee, who's really good around here? Right. Now we live in a world where everybody has a thousand Facebook friends and emails and Twitter messages and LinkedIn connections. We're being pinged all over the place by our smartphones. People do not have the time or the leisure, even if they wanted to, to be able to thoughtfully look around and say, hmm, that Jordan, he's yeah. quiet, but he's doing a great job. They're just going to miss it. And we need to make sure they don't. Yeah. The, the other thing that just, just sort of comes to mind is if you're in, my dad was an auto worker, right? So he was essentially in manufacturing, even though he ended up being an engineer and a quality control guy and stuff like that. But, but you're, you know, you can be the hardest working human being on earth, but you will never work harder than 12 or 15 Chinese people that cost less than you do to employ. All right. Or, yeah. or whatever in that sector. Right. And, and that, is something that now is starting to be much more common is you, you can't outwork people anymore because I know this from Wall Street. There's people that are willing to sleep under your desk and, and maybe you're one of them, but that's a really awful way to try to get ahead is by just saying, I'm not gonna do anything with my life other than work, right? And and even if you do, there's still no guarantee that you're going to be successful. And in, in our case, in the Wall Street case, the guys who were sleeping under their desk and working really hard and eventually made it to partner, they still got retired early when the economy hit a wall, but the guy who had all the connections, the guy who actually mentored me, he actually walked into another firm and got a job as a partner. So he might've even gotten a raise, but it's because he had these connections and, and because he was able to sort of stand out because of that sort of to, to go back to your, to your new book title here. Um, so it, obviously we're not trying to bag on hard work, right? There's still a place for that. I don't think anybody wants, well, I shouldn't say I don't think anybody wants. I don't think anybody <laughs> expects to be able to like work from home and make a thousand dollars a day passive income or whatever it is this, that you see on in your spam folder. The par problem with the personal branding stuff is often this is a black box. What do I need? Do I need to just get Twitter followers and then dot, 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 I'm a thought leader? I mean, how do we start the process of this? Yeah, I think I think it is confusing for a lot of people because um, sometimes people glom on, you know, people who are not really focused on it, they glom onto certain channels as being a panacea. Right. And so they, uh, you know, they say, well, you know, uh, clearly branding's important. So everybody needs to be doing Twitter. Everybody needs to be doing Facebook and, you know, trying to come up with these blanket pronouncements that, that don't oftentimes make a lot of sense. 
Um, I think when it comes to, you know, how, how do you break through? How do you, uh, get recognized and build that following? The first question that we always need to ask, whether we're doing branding for a company, branding for an individual is who is your audience and what are they reading? Where are they? Uh, and how do you, how do you reach them in that place? That's the, the first thing. Um, interestingly, in, in my new book, Stand Out, I, I profiled Robert Scoble, uh, who some of your listeners may know. He's an opinion leader in the tech space and, uh, you know, really an expert on, on startup culture. And a few years ago, Robert actually made his name as a blogger. That was his thing. And uh, he wrote one of the first books on blogging called Naked Conversations in 2006. And uh, so it was really interesting when he actually decided to abandon blogging. Um, he, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, just really, in his view, he felt like he saw the future and the future was not on his website. The future was social media, that that's where the conversation was. And so he decided to put all of his efforts there. So if you go now to his uh, website, uh, Scobalizer, there's actually a note and it says, by the way, I'm not going to be here anymore. Uh, here's the link to find me on Google Plus, on Twitter and on Facebook. That's where I'm going to be concentrating my efforts. And uh, it's paid off rather handsomely for him. I mean, you know, no, nobody these days is actually using Google Plus, but literally yeah. I think every every human being that is using Google Plus follows Robert Scoble because he has over 6 million uh, followers on on Google Plus. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's literally a million more people that still use Google Plus. <laughs> they just haven't unfollowed. Yeah, that's so funny. I mean, Google Plus, Google Plus gaffes aside, I think that was a brilliant move. It's funny because when you talk to some of the traditional like search engine people, they're like, we want social media to drive traffic to the website. But he actually said, no. I'm, I'm just, just, social media is where you are already. I'm gonna talk to you there. I'm not trying to drive you back to my house to have the conversation, which makes sense. Um, I, I totally get that. What if though, and just to throw this objection out there, because there's a lot of people listening who are like, yeah, I'm not an entrepreneur, man. I work at Apple, I work at Google. Do I need this? I mean, I'm working hard, they work us hard, I'm on a path. Do I need any of this stuff? Yeah. So it, it's, it's an important question. I mean, for entrepreneurs, it's obvious. I mean, yes, you need a brand because that's how you get business. That's, right. that's how clients find you. If you're an employee and you want to stay an employee, what's the point? Um, so in Standout, I uh, interviewed a guy named Michael Leckie, who is a regional vice president at Gartner, the research firm. And the reason I wanted to include his story, um, and I, I thought it was, uh, it was kind of emblematic was that he, at a certain point in his career, he got really interested in coaching and training and development. And he didn't really know a lot about it, but it was just an area he thought was cool. So there was an outside consultant that Gartner had brought in uh, to focus on those issues. And so Michael essentially kind of apprenticed himself to this guy. He started spending a lot of time with him took all the classes the guy offered. Eventually, he started co-teaching the classes that the guy offered. And before too long, inside of Gartner, Michael began to develop this reputation as someone who was knowledgeable about coaching and training. Now, if you at that point had lined him up against the world experts in that, you know, the Marshall Goldsmiths sure. of the world, he, he wouldn't have rated. He, you know, he would not have been on the scale. But he knew more than other people inside his organization about those issues and he was willing to share what he knew and so he became what I call a local expert. He was a local go-to guy and I think that's really important. I mean, when we're talking about getting known for your ideas, building your brand, we're not saying everybody has to be a world expert. I mean, that's that's not realistic but 
what I do think everyone can strive to be is to be the go-to guy or the go-to gal inside their organization or in their orbit, however they define it, about a certain facet. If you can own a piece of something the way that Michael owned uh, coaching within his office at Gartner, that gives people a reason to seek you out and to say, oh, you know, we got to keep this guy around. He's got something valuable to teach us. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back to the show. I've given this example before, so people are probably sick of it, but I'll keep it short. There, there's a, a story, and I, I, I'm just going to assume that it's maybe true, <laughs> about a kid who worked for like a yacht company, 
and he was customer service and the yacht company had terrible, terrible customer service. So he was always fielding the same questions, but people were on hold forever. And it was like the only place to get their yacht motor or something repaired. It was like this high end thing. So he started a website on his own to make his own job easier where it had an FAQ and a forum and he could post an answer and people could find stuff there and he charged admission to that forum and he ended up getting fired because you know he was making money on the side. And as kind of, you know, you're not supposed to do that at work. However, what happened was then there was even worse customer service at this, uh, at this yacht manufacturer. His website kept getting more and more popular. It started making so much money that company hired him back and bought his company now he's kind of a contractor for them, makes a ton, because now they have to pay what he's asking, not what a salaried customer service person is, and essentially he does all of their customer service for them using this, so he kind of became this innovator inside the company, was the only guy who knew how to set up the the unique combination of digital media, customer service, and uh, I guess, I don't know, what else, like sort of an easy way to scale that service for, for everyone that needed it, and now he's, rolling in it compared to he was probably hourly before that. Yeah, that's a fantastic example. That's exactly right. Now, how, here's the problem, though. How do we find our yacht boat motor web forum idea if I'm just like, man, I just started my job two years ago. I'm not an expert on anything. Yeah. So I think a, a lot of people get held up with this because they think that they have to have this this amazing uh, revelation and that everything, you know, right. You know, that something's going to, you know, click and become clear. But one of the things that I discovered in writing stand out is that actually, I mean, you know, yes, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get a lightning bolt, but oftentimes the process of coming up with a, a great idea, a breakthrough idea is something that is very subtle and very iterative and it, it takes place over time. And so one example of this, uh, there's a guy that I profile named Michael Waxenberg. And about 15 years ago, Michael and his family uh, were kind of th thrown for a loop because the apartment that they had been renting in New York City, uh, they got a notice that it was going to be condoized. And so they had to make a decision about whether they were going to stay in their unit and buy it or whether they needed to move somewhere else. And so Michael was an IT guy at a financial services company. And so he's a you know, pretty methodical, quantitative guy. And he really wanted to make a good decision. So in order to do that, he and his wife started going to open houses. And they went to a lot. And so in order to keep them straight, he started writing up reviews of the different properties, you know, noting all, all of the different features, the square footage, all the amenities, and his perspective on them. But instead of hoarding the information, instead of just kind of keeping it in his notebook, he decided that he was going to be generous with his ideas. And so there was a street, there was a website called Street Easy about Manhattan real estate. And so he began sharing his reviews and posting them to the website. And yeah, there were some other reviews on the site, but they were these really kind of half-baked, crappy things. Michael's were beautiful. They were these very detailed, intensive reviews. And so people started looking at them and saying, wow, this is great stuff. So before long, he began to get these emails saying, hey, I love your stuff. I want you to represent me. And he, you know, he was like, wait, that, that's great, but I'm, I'm not actually a realtor. I, I'm just a guy. <laughs> and so he would, he would offer a little bit of help to them and they could give him wine or chocolates, but they, they couldn't pay him uh, because he wasn't actually a realtor. Is that illegal to do that? 
yeah, yeah, you have to have a license for it. So oh God, uh, that can't be, I mean, no offense if you're listening to it, but that can't be that hard to get because I know some, I know some schmucks that are, <laughs> <laughs> that are in the business. I'll put it that way. That's right. That's right. Well, it turns out that, bef you know, before too long, um, you know, these these uh, customers basically were not the only people noticing Michael. Um, he got a message from an actual realtor. And the guy said, look, if you haven't done this yet, I will sponsor you to go through the classes and to take the licensure test because you already have a customer base. And so Michael decided to do it. And he got his real estate license. And to this day now, he, he still has his day job because he still likes his day job. But he he has built for himself from from scratch uh, a very lucrative second career for himself as a real estate agent through the reviews. He doesn't have to market himself at all. All he does is write the reviews of properties and then get re referrals uh, either from people who find that directly or from people who are second and third generation uh, referrals of people who worked with him initially from StreetEasy. And so I, I think what's powerful here, I mean, you might say, okay, writing real estate reviews, that's, is that a breakthrough idea? Yeah, you know, like, people, it seems too simple. It can't be that good, right? Yeah, when people think breakthrough idea, they think, oh, it has, it has to be like an iPhone Tesla. or, you know, some, yeah, some invention. But the truth is, what gets you noticed, what gives you career security is just doing something different and better than other people. And that, that doesn't have to come from some top-down amazing strategy that you concoct for yourself. It can literally be the process of just living your life and doing stuff and looking for holes and saying, oh, hey, I, I, I should do this. And that can begin to present amazing opportunities the way that it did for Michael, which he never would have expected. Excellent. That that's see that's simple enough, but it's innovative, right? Because innovative doesn't have to be difficult. It it doesn't have to be complicated. And it's obviously he enjoyed doing that, right? And that's a huge that's a huge bonus because I think a lot of people think, "Oh man, you know, in order to be this expert, I've got to go and basically create a PhD level dissertation on something inside my company that no one's ever thought of." That sounds overwhelming. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and it really does not have to be. I think a lot of people disqualify themselves because they assume that uh, that this whole process has to be far more complicated than it is. They assume they have to have some kind of credentials. Yeah. And, you know, the, the truth about the modern economy is you make your own credentials. You can do it yourself. Yes, I, I agree, said the guy who started the business in his friend's basement as at the time we were like dating coaches. Right. And people go, what qualifies you to do this? And I'd be like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, right. Like, I don't know. I just am. But I was a That's lawyer right. and I was a terrible one. And I have all the credentials necessary for that. Uh, <laughs> you know, Like I have the bar exam under my belt. I work for a law firm. Don't hire me to do anything legal. You'll regret it. However, the stuff <laughs> that I'm not academically qualified for, I'm very good at. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm I'm right there with you. I teach I teach it uh, you know, a lot of great business schools now and my master's degree is in theology. So, you know, really? <laughs> we, we I teach didn't ourselves. See that I did not yeah. see that coming. That's that's funny. That's so interesting. I, I think for for so many people, they're looking at it like this. Uh, when when we first started podcasting in two thousand and six, we were like, There's gotta be a way to record audio and, and put it online for download. And we looked for that. We had to look for that because, and, and AJ eventually, my co-host and business partner, he found the podcasting thing. And he's like, there's this new thing called podcasting. We should look into it. You know, it was about a year, maybe 18 months or even two years old at the most at that point. 
And we started doing that. And I'm running a panel for a radio convention here in San Jose, California, later on this month. And I'm talking to all these people speaking on the panel. And there are old radio guys that are like in their 50s and things like that. And, and in 40s and they're going, yeah, you know, this digital revolution, I'm gonna start, I'm starting a media company or they have started a media company and they're like, you know, putting radio downloadable online is just genius. And I'm like, well, dude, when we were, when it was 2006, we didn't think it was genius. We thought, how does this not exist yet, right? So if you're 21 or, or 25 or 30 and everybody else in your industry is 20 years older, don't think that your idea has no merit because they haven't looked into it or because they don't think it does or because they don't get it. Chances are they're just old like me. You know, if I were 25 right now instead of 35, I'd probably be like a huge YouTube guy instead of a podcaster, right? I would have thought of that instead. Or I'd be like the number one guy, top guy on, I don't know, what is it? Like Snapchat or something like that. <laughs> I would, I would yeah. have that under my belt. Or or the new stuff that I don't even know exists that, that 13 year olds all over the world are using right now you know, Meerkat or whatever, Periscope, I would be like doing that, you know, crushing it at that instead. So don't discount your ideas because other people around you don't get them. Sometimes other people around you just don't get it yet and they're gonna be late to the party and that gives you a massive advantage, especially when it comes to the branding stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I mean, we we live in a world where there's still so many inefficiencies. I mean, I uh, I went to the doctor uh, a few weeks ago, and literally uh, there was there was a, a test that took two weeks, two full weeks to come back. I'm like, really? Are you joking? It's 2015, people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you should you should be able to, uh, you know, to I don't know, stick it in some vinegar and, and you yeah. know whatever. Put but, some Windex on it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it's it's incredible to me that, that we, we live in a world where there's still nonsense like that. Any, anytime there, you know, we live in an instant society. If I can immediately get on the phone with somebody in Singapore, if I can send a, a document to you and you can look at it two seconds later, you should be able to, to do a medical test and not have it be two weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, for... But for every industry, there's equivalents of that. And, uh, and sometimes it actually can be a, a real advantage. You know, I mean, when we, when we talk about innovation, I was, you know, the class that I was teaching at Columbia yesterday was, uh, was this workshop, uh, for executive edu education on innovation. And one of the things that we talk about is the importance of peeling away your experience because, you know, in lots of things, of course, experience is valuable, experience is good, blah, blah, blah. But it also puts blinders on you and you forget, uh, what, you know, you, you forget that certain strictures that you may be observing um, are not necessarily the most rational ones. There are questions that you could and should be asking, which you which have been beaten out of you through experience. And it's sometimes only by coming at it with this this kind of, um, you know, intelligent yet ignorant viewpoint where you forget your knowledge, where you can say, oh, yeah, actually, that that's kind of effed up. All right, back to the show. Yeah, it's, it's super true. I mean, I'll never beat this story to death enough on the show. I told my dad when I was a kid, I want to say I was 14 or 15, and I was using the internet, and I didn't have a mouse. It was all keyboard-driven, and you could search for information, you know, using these library computers that you could access from home with a modem if you dialed into, like, the newspaper online service, and you could go from one to the other. And I was like, Dad, check this out. 
you can go from here and go in this library and search, but you're at home, so you know if they have the book already, and if it's a rare book, you can find it, or you can find papers on this stuff, and you can search, and then Yahoo kind of came out and made it really easy to do, and I told my dad, man, you should look at this, you gotta invest in this, you gotta check this out, we should buy stock in this, and he goes, why would anyone use this if you can just drive to the library and everything is around you? <laughs> and I said, no, but I think there's gonna be something to this, and he was like, yeah, not a chance. Now, of course, everyone knows that Yahoo would have been a great investment in the early to mid-90s or whenever it was probably brand new, and on top of that, guess which website my dad reads like 10 times a day? <laughs> Yahoo News. Thanks a lot, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Damn it. Um, but it's it's kind of funny to see that, because of course, he, he, now he's he goes, well, I told you not to invest in Tesla, but I've been wrong before. And I'm like, thank you, right? <laughs> you know, I get, I get it. Um, and it's true, he wasn't making a terrible decision. I mean, retrospectively, yes, but it made total sense according to his experience. You find information at the library, that's how it's done, why would that change? So what if it's a little bit easier? How much do you need to find information? Because it changed our habits, right? It didn't just change the way that you can go to the library and do stuff, which a guy like my dad did once every five years, it changed the way that you even consume information because you go, well, this is so easy, I'm gonna look up everything I don't know. And you can do that for better or for worse inside your own company or as a sort of inside your own business as a personal branding choice. So are there ways or are there exercises or practical applications that you can give for people who are like, okay, great, I get it, ideas are simple, uh, I don't have any, are there drills or exercises or thought experiments that people can do that will help get them a little bit closer? Yeah, well, one one thing, one strategy that I outline in Standout is, uh, and, and this is, is perhaps one of the easiest and most direct ones, is the niche strategy. So meaning, if you, one of the paths that I discovered in the course of interviewing all of these top thought leaders and trying to figure out what, you know, what it was that they were doing, what it was that had catapulted them to the top of their field. Uh, and so one of the common routes that, uh, you know, not all of them, but, but many of them pursued was becoming a master of a particular niche, you know, really going deep with something, uh, small and tight and, uh, and then expanding out strategically from there. So the, the secret, you know, some people get really good and really knowledgeable at a niche and then they stop there. And that, you know, that's great, but it's going to limit you. Um, but what the best people have done is they, they figure out this tiny thing that they can own. You know, if you work at a marketing company, maybe you are the person who knows about Facebook ads or if, you know, if the, the example, that I have in the book is I profile a guy who's an academic who becomes this world expert on Cambodia. And you look at that wow. and say, okay, that's great, uh, but kind of where do you go with that? But if the, the exercise that I would suggest for people is if you either have real knowledge and depth in a niche or um, you're sort of, you know, thinking through, okay, you know, I can, I can see something that I can go deep on. The next question is, all right, what are the adjacencies? That is the really critical question. So this guy, his name is Sopal Ear, um, who is an expert in Cambodia. What, what he told me, and I think this is, this is really a good frame. He says, Cambodia is the first door, but you, you open the door and you walk down a hallway and there's all these other doors leading off of it. And if you really want to grow your career, you can open these different doors. And so for him, he has become a recognized expert in foreign aid. 
because he wrote his dissertation on foreign aid policy in Cambodia and was then able to sort of generalize that knowledge and experience with, you know, if you're writing op-eds, if sure. you're talking to people, whatever, about foreign aid policy. He has given a really popular TED Talk about criminal justice, of all things, because he learned about that through becoming an expert in the Khmer Rouge tribunals. And he even has become an expert uh, quoted in the media and talked to frequently about avian flu because he had expertise in Southeast Asian livestock. <laughs> wow, that is totally random. Yeah. And you yeah. can't plan. You can't plan that. No, you know, it's it's really uh, it's about, you know, going deep and then just looking around and, and looking for opportunities and saying, all right, where where can this go? Um, so, you know, if somebody is starting from scratch. Let's say, um, you know, we want, we want to create a, a thought leader right here on this podcast. I mean, what I would, what I would say is let's pick something. You were talking about this a moment ago, something, something new, where there's lots of blue ocean. Um, so I'm going to be the world's expert in Periscope, the, uh, the live streaming, um, you know, app. So if I, if I say I'm going to be the Periscope expert, here's what I would tell someone to do for the next 60 days, for the next two months, write one blog post a day about Periscope. Just, you know, it could be any facet. It could be Periscope for accountants or 10 myths about Periscope or, you know, five ways Periscope is way better than Meerkat or, you know, whatever it is. Right. But every day you come up with something, some different angle. At the end of two months, I guarantee you, there's probably no one else in the world who has written 60 blog posts about Periscope. Anytime the media from that point on is going to be searching, you know, and this is how they get ideas about who to talk to. When they're searching for ideas, um, they are going to be Googling and they're going to find all your articles and they're going to say, oh my gosh, this person is like the expert. So they're going to call you and talk to you. Before long, you're going to get quoted in Mashable and TechCrunch and the New York Times because you're the Periscope expert. And then once your name starts getting out there and people become familiar with you, once those reporters become familiar with you, they're going to say, oh, well, if you know about Periscope, you probably know a lot about Twitter, right? Because, you know, Twitter owns Periscope. So boom, you begin just expanding your turf. And before long, you, you know, you go from Periscope expert to Twitter expert to social media expert. That's, that's, that's how I would do it. That's a, a really great sort of synopsis of a transition. And I can totally see that happening. And I've seen friends of mine who are kind of like internet savvy folks become experts and stuff where I go, I didn't know you knew anything about that. And they'll go, yeah, eight months ago, I didn't know anything about that. And I'm kind of like, hmm, that was too effective. I feel like it's scammy, but honestly, it makes perfect sense, especially with new technology. Because there's so much blue ocean, like you said, there's not a lot of competition in that space, and there's so many, the, the beautiful part about that, of course, is that there's always new technology rolling out that definitely doesn't necessarily require you to have a ton of background on, let's say, technology in general, or, or how networks work and things like that, because they're designed for the consumer. So you just have to be one of the first people to use the heck out of it, uh, talk about it, and suddenly you become the expert in that field. And and I wanna reemphasize that you don't have to be an entrepreneur to do this. You can, in fact, working for a company might be even better because now you're not spending your own money on researching Facebook ads and buying them and testing them. You're working for a company that says, well, okay, we're willing to give this a shot, but only with $100,000. And you're going, I would ne you'd never be able to collect that amount of money and feel free spending it on experimental uses if it were your own, right? But if it's a company that de dedicates a budget to that and doesn't necessarily expect a massive ROI, you're good. You're, you're playing with house money 
in your learning process to become that expert. And once you really get good at it, you can leverage that inside your company or you can leave and do your own thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I think it's so important, the idea of, of essentially learning on someone else's dime. And, you know, if, if you decide that you love your company and you want to stay there, great, fantastic. Keep it, you know, keep it going. You, your knowledge will add value to them. But if over time you decide you want to move on or do your own thing, you will have had a very valuable learning experience. I know I started my consulting business nine years ago. And prior to doing that, I, uh, I spent about a year really trying to learn strategically what it would take to start my own business. I was the executive director of a nonprofit and uh, I spent I spent that year literally just like taking uh, courses at you know local adult ed centers and reading a million books and uh, and trying to fill in the holes and to think, all right, if I'm gonna be an entrepreneur, what are the things I don't know now? It was everything from you know how to create good PowerPoints to how to do QuickBooks and um, you know handle um, you know, the, the finances of having my own company. But I, I learned all those things while I was working at this, uh, at this nonprofit organization and teed it up so that when I started my business, I would be ready for it. So this is all really fascinating stuff. I really like the idea of standing out, even if you work for a company or if you're an entrepreneur, obviously you will not survive if you don't. The problem is this makes it sound really easy. And for people like me who need a little bit more of a step-by-step, do you have any kind of, have you thought about making like a workbook or something that you could, that you could have? Is there a workbook in the book or step-by-step things in the book that we can use to sort of guide ourselves a little bit more? Yeah, actually there, there is Jordan. Um, when I wrote my first book, Reinventing You, I was, I was actually really surprised that one of the things that I kept hearing from people was that what they found especially valuable in the book was at the end of every chapter, I had these ask yourself questions to uh, just kind of prompt people to, to begin to think about how to apply the concepts in their own lives. And so when I wrote Stand Out, I decided I was I was really going to amp that up and uh, to try to make the, the questions uh, an important part of the book and have a lot of them in there. And so at the end of uh, not just every chapter, but every section, I have these, these questions. But one thing that I, I wanted to do, because I really wanted these ideas to hopefully help as many people as possible and spread as far as possible is that I created a free workbook. It's actually a 42 page workbook uh, that I put together, which uh, gathers all of these ask yourself questions. It's 139 questions that leads you step by step through the process of coming up with or discovering your breakthrough idea and then how to get recognized and build a following around it. Uh, And so, yeah, folks can get that for free on my website, which is doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E, C-L-A-R-K, and I hope I hope they'll enjoy it, and uh, hopefully it can lead to some some great breakthrough ideas for them. Yeah, and we'll link that up in the show notes as well, so don't like swerve around I-75 or, or whatever highway trying to write it down. It'll be linked up in the show notes, and if you're on your phone, you can click on the graphic, and it should take you to the show notes, depending on which podcasts app you're using. Thanks so much, Dory. This has been really cool, and I'm glad that you keep uh, putting your ideas into paper and digital paper. Jordan, thanks so much. It's always great talking with you. Interesting. I always love talking to Dory. Super cool. So genuine, like really wants to help people, really loves teaching, and so is thus a perfect guest for the show. Communications concept holding up across cultures I really find interesting, and I really love the idea that you can become a thought leader, even if you're an employee, you can become a thought leader 
on your own. It doesn't have, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to put these concepts into action. So go grab that workbook that she's provided. I'm sure that's solid. I mean, she puts time and effort into things and makes them stellar. So I'm sure that's wonderful as well. Show feedback and guest suggestions. The show's a fanarchy. It's run by you. And we rely on you to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. And if you enjoyed this one, don't forget to thank Dory on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as her resources and workbook mentioned on the show as well. And I also post tons of stuff to Twitter that just never makes it to the show. Articles, insights, other garbage. Uh, and I'm at The Art of Charm on Twitter. Our bootcamp live training details at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. And also on the website, we have bonus episodes that aren't released in the iTunes feed. For those of you who just can't get enough AOC, remember to subscribe to the show in iTunes or check us out on our network, Podcast One. And alternately, we have our iPhone and Android apps available at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone and slash Android if you like to listen mobily, which we know the majority of you actually do. And I'd love to get a review from you guys for the show. Five-star ratings, little something written in iTunes. Writing goes further than just the stars. Helps us feel great and also helps keep us up in the ranks so that other people who use this info can find the show more easily to get the credible advice they need. It's also the best way to support us other than, of course, buying products and training from The Art of Charm. Special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of The Art of Charm podcast. Now, go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now, have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 